only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Paul literally gets away with the murder of James Harden under the basket in Oklahoma City escapes certain doom in game three. The Thunder's still very much alive in this series, only trailing two to one with a 119 to 107 victory over the Houston Rockets. With uh, Craig and Zach, the Thunder guys, this is the Thunder Nation podcast. Guys, you can't be anything but elated right now, right? Absolutely. Craig? Yeah. Um, the time was full of emotions. Us. Ups and downs, um, I, I gave up a whole bunch. I got my hopes back up again a whole bunch, um, but in the end came out on top. Well, it didn't, um, it didn't really look good early. Uh, th- this game, Houston just comes right out of the gate and builds a, a – you know, Oklahoma City is in a pretty good deficit, but the Thunder do what the Thunder does, and they, they fought their way back in. Um, yeah, well, tell me – start with you, Zach. Talk about some early emotions in this game. Um, because you and I talked the other night that if, if the Thunder loses game three, this thing's most likely going to be a sweep by the Rockets. Oh, absolutely. I, and I came into it with that mindset. I, just, I, I knew it was either uh, – look, technically this was not a must win, but we all know this was a must win. And if this one goes south, then I'm chalking it up as a series loss. It's as simple as that. You know, no, no big deal. Uh, we keep saying this to make ourselves make ourselves feel better that this season was a wash, and that's exactly what I would have told myself. I would have lied to myself all I needed to to make myself feel good about this season and and move on and so so forth. And the way that the game got started, it was absolutely looking like it was trending in that direction. Uh, the Thunder didn't look like they had made any adjustments. I wasn't sure they had watched any film whatsoever about uh, games one and two. It was it was awful. It, nothing looked good. The offense looked stagnant. Uh, the defense was was good enough, definitely, to keep them around in the game. And ultimately, I think that's what what helped in the long run. But the offense struggled in and out through so much of the game. And it was especially evident in the first quarter. We get away with a – we knocked down a couple threes back-to-back to, back to kind of close the gap at the end of the first. But besides those two possessions, it was just a lot of question mark, throwing up shots, not very good ball movement. Everybody looked very frazzled and uh, panicky. And the game had just started. So that, that was concerning. Craig, you weren't with us uh, after game two. By the way, happy late birthday. You were out birthdaying uh, that night. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was Lou Dort, James Harden, and just the impact Dort's presence made. And certainly feel like that continued into today. Give me some of your thoughts on – because you, you haven't talked to you about this. Uh, what are you liking – about Lou Dort and does anything concern you with what you're seeing in Lou Dort? No, not at all. Um, I, I knew he'd be a game changer. I was talking about that uh, when the series started um, and then having him come back out, even though the Thunder lost that, that first game back with, with Dort in the lineup, I still felt like he made an impact and the Thunder were in a position to win that game, let it slip away. And then uh, returning tonight, 
Um, my question is, why is he not on Harden more often? I think, let's see here, uh, three of 14, whenever Lou Dort is guarding him tonight, I, I don't know why uh, he took how many other, 20 other shots. I mean, I understand you got to switch. It can't be literally every single time. That being said, I felt like there were opportunities where Dort was off the court, Harden was on, he would go on a little six, eight-point run, whatever it may be. And that's a big difference when you're talking about um, a momentum swing, um, talking about, you know, getting different guys um, into a rhythm. Harden's able to do those things when Dort's off the floor. So, um, no, I'm not concerned with them. And I, I even felt like I, I may be jumping ahead a little bit here, but Dort found his offense a little bit in overtime going to the free throw line, getting some backdoor cuts to, to the rim. Um, I think that may even carry over his confidence on offense as well heading into game four. Zach, that was kind of one of uh, your points of contention Thursday night is that Dort was fantastic <clears throat> on James Harden, but he wasn't on James Harden enough, particularly in the fourth quarter. Our, uh, uh, your take now, you, you've seen it today. I thought he was much stronger today even than when he was Thursday. Um, and like Craig said, getting some offense going there in the overtime. Uh, he, he, he has the potential. I'm not saying he's done it yet, but he has the potential to change this series based off what we've seen the last two games. Do you agree with that or not? Uh, I actually disagree with you a little bit. I think nice. he has already changed the series. Okay, well, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, the reason I said he has the potential, too, is because yeah, you're yeah. still down two to one. You're right. You, you go out and you win again on Monday, then I'm going to be fully right. on your side. So just, just to kind of prove the point here that we're all, all making, the last – Two minutes and some change, like nine seconds, Lou Dort checks out of the game for Dennis Schroeder because I guess that's what we always do. And because we've always done it, that's what Billy Donovan has to stay doing. He, he checks out for, for two minutes and nine seconds. And from the 152 mark to halftime, James Harden goes on an individual 9-0 run and just acts, absolutely roasts Schroeder and whoever else comes into contact with him. And that was one of his best moments. I mean, that's when he really started to heat up. And I tweeted at halftime, we may look back on this is the two minutes that, that sealed the game for Houston. And, you know, we all look at the final moments of a game that those are the, those are the real, real deciders of who's going to win, who's going to lose. But those early moments, they make a huge impact. And I firmly believe that 9-0 run that he created on his own, I, I believe that was so, such a uh, – such a deal breaker almost uh, that it, it, it affected the game for sure. Thankfully the thunder came out hardcore in the third quarter and really went, went at him. And then uh, Billy Donovan, again, he refuses to, he refused to take Steven Adams out to, to not put Noel in for Adams when he did take Adams out. And so we find ourselves in the same situation. Dort's on the bench. Harden starts scoring late in the fourth. What are you going to do? And finally, Billy Donovan wakes up, I guess, via an injury to Steven Adams. He, he banged his knee or something. He had to sit out with a knee contusion. Uh, and he goes small ball. He goes Gallinari at the five, goes with the four guards. And all of a sudden, this team looks like it can compete in a completely different way. Okay, so there's, there's one, in my opinion, one key stat in this game that's not on our talking points. And so I, I'm going to give you guys a second to think about that and see if you can figure it out. But I want to go to scoring stats. These are important as well. But to me, there's one specific key stat here. Oklahoma City with four guys 
that were scored 20 or more points. Chris Paul with 26, SGA 23, Gallinari with a 20-point performance, and off the bench, Dennis Schroeder with a, a team-high 29 points. Zach, we were kind of kind of salty on Schroeder the other night, just the way he played, particularly in the fourth quarter. Every, every podcast, we, I got to you know, somehow mention fantasy sports and FanDuel right. again, but on him, I took him today because I was like, he's got to be I did due. too. <laughs> he's got to be due. If, it, if it's not nice. happening today, it's not happening. So I'm very <laughs> glad that I took him 29 points. So Zach, start with uh, the scoring. Dennis Schroeder, give your thoughts first. And then Craig, you just jump right in there behind him. Yeah. Uh, so, so I made a point to say that we really need those, those three main guards, Chris Paul, Shea Gildas-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder. We need them all to score and be effective. And I think I actually tweeted this out that we needed all three of them to score at least 20 points in order to win this game. It happened. We won. I'm not saying I predicted the future. Uh, that was one of many, many predictions that I made about this game that actually came true. And we can, we can talk about that in a little bit because I'm feeling myself about all of that. But the one about Schroeder was particularly important because he's been the spark off the bench. So it's not just if he's not scoring, then, you know, the team collapses. But if he's not scoring, it's like the second unit isn't really – they don't have anybody to fall back on. Now – we didn't go particularly deep today, which was nice, but whenever Shea's not getting it done, Schroeder comes in and picks up the slack. When Chris Paul's not getting it done, Schroeder comes in and, pick in, and picks up the slack. That didn't happen in games one and two, and it right. left the Thunder in a hole, and the offense was dead, and we saw some of that tonight in certain moments, but Schroeder really turned it on in the fourth, which is something he has done in so many key games throughout the regular season. He did it tonight. He came up big, and if he doesn't do what he does, there's no chance the Thunder wins this game tonight. Craig? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I felt like um, as soon as he came in the game, I believe it was 19 to 7. Um, and he, right away, he made an impact on offense, came in, went straight to the free throw line, got the thunder moving on offense. And, you know, Zach's right. That's exactly what he does. That's what he is supposed to do, but has not been doing in games one and two. Um, thunder finally get more bench points than the Rockets tonight, um, only due to Dennis Schroeder. But hey, we'll still take it. And I'm with you on only going eight deep. I think that's a great move. Um, I, I thought Billy Donovan had been playing too many guys, um, giving out too many different minutes. But um, absolutely, Shooter's a, the difference maker tonight. He was two of ten from beyond the arc. But I'm only going to let that slide because he hit a clutch one with only a couple minutes to go. I did not want him to take that shot because right. I knew he was one of nine at the time. But uh, you still got to love the confidence. Took it anyways, and it was a big-time moment in the game. Zach, another person we talked about after game two was Chris Paul. I, I thought this is the best version of Chris Paul we've seen uh, in this series. Uh, of the starters, he was the high score with 26, but also uh, efficient, 11 from 20 from the floor, and then he had six rebounds, five assists. So I, I'm, I know you and I don't always see eye-to-eye on Chris Paul, but um, I, I, was, I was pleased. I, th this version that we got today can, can win this series. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think he had uh, the, the really the only negative marks that I would give him was he, he was quick to pull the trigger on a few of those mid-range jumpers that he loves to shoot. And, you know, if he knocks them down, we're not saying anything. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter was he wasn't knocking them down. And as a result, he wasn't just not scoring the Thunder points. It was keeping everybody else from getting into a rhythm as an offense in 
general. And I, I did talk about this. I, I highlighted some keys on Twitter uh, prior to tip off. And I said, one of those was that Chris Paul absolutely has to lead this team. He has to set up the offense. He has to make good decisions. He has to help everybody else make good decisions and, for the most part, he did that outside of those few uh, few little mishaps. So that's absolutely what we need to do out of him. Four for six from downtown. That's the kind of stuff we need from him. He hit some big ones. He had a couple, and I think he hit two maybe in overtime. And I lost my mind. My uh, my my younger daughter, she had already gone to bed, and I she she woke up shortly after the game. I don't know if it was my fault or not. It probably was because I was – I've not screamed this loudly. During, like, my throat hurts a little bit. I've not screamed this loudly uh, during a game in a long time, probably since I've been at a game. <laughs> so – and that's been a very long time, as, as we all know. So, he did have four turnovers. Uh, overall, though, I thought he played a really good game defensively. I thought this was his best game. He did a lot better job at not letting guys just get by him. I thought he really put forth a lot of effort. Uh, there were some questionable calls that he was involved in. And uh, I don't know if you wanted to uh, talk about the, the incident with James Harden, as the, I like the murdering, to murdering The murdering uh, of James Harden? So, well, you say that. What I saw was James <laughs> Harden initiating a situation that he totally brought on himself, and I thought it was an offensive foul. That's look, what look, I saw. If, so, if you want the truth on that play, here's what happened. Chris Paul got in the way of a James Harden flop. That's all on, that's all on Chris Paul. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> To me, it looks like he was kind of hugging up on him a little bit, and Harden was trying to initiate the contact to get the foul call, and it worked. But had Harden never done what he does, the whole falling place never would have happened. So, well, Craig, you thought the officiating was all above board, right? You got no complaints. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I already talked to you a little bit about it. Um, I, yeah, I thought that one was bogus. I mean. At the same time, you could argue that Chris Paul did play right into the hand of James Harden as a veteran. Maybe that's something he should have had his eye on. At the same time, it is the playoffs. That's a weak call. Um, it is what it is. But I also thought, um, who was it? Um, Talking about Daniel House getting tripped? Daniel House. When he tripped? Yeah. yeah. He didn't get he tripped. He just tripped. Yeah. I saw the replay. I didn't see any touching going on there whatsoever. Um, ended up missing one of those free throws, which came up big. Um, but, you, you know, and, and while I'm talking about it, how, how does – I don't understand how the, the Rockets are allowed to just go out on the court in the middle of overtime and talk about their – how they feel about the officiating. What, why was that allowed? Why was there no delay of game? Or it eventually got a technical foul, but why did not that not happen earlier? I, I don't see – I don't know. That's confusing. Well, here's, here's my take on this. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm baiting you guys because I, you look, I, I know how you feel about this situation. Again, if you're new to this podcast, I'm the one guy who is not a quote fan of Oklahoma city. I don't cheer against them unless they're playing the Clippers, but I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't jump in full bear with, with you guys. Um, but that said, here, here's my take on that D'Antoni thing in overtime. I, I don't think the referee wanted to call a technical there because it was such an intense moment in that, in the game where a technical foul that the tides already turning in Oklahoma's favor, a technical foul probably ices that. And I, I think the official was giving D'Antoni every possible moment he could with these warnings. And finally D'Antoni's like, give it to me. And the official he wanted okay. it. Right. He and did. I, he wanted but, it. But I think the, what I'm saying is I don't think the officiating 
I, the officials can now say we did everything we can to avoid that situation. You can't blame that on us. Well, here's what I'm. Here's what bothers me is I felt like the officials did everything they could not to call a technical for the entire game. I saw P.J. Tucker throwing his hands up in the air, throwing a fit. I saw Eric Gordon complaining about every single missed shot that he took. That guy cries so much. I don't know why it is that some nights he'll get superstar calls, and other nights when he doesn't, he still thinks he's a superstar. He's a solid role player, but he's nothing more than that. And seeing how much he cries – drives me crazy and I know you used to rag on Russell Westbrook for doing this all the time well he fits in super well down in Houston because that's all they do and I'm I'm, I was so oh listen it's not fun basketball it's not fun to watch my team have to play against that because it's not that's not what a competitor does a competitor doesn't cry he gets back and he makes a play you don't see Le Guin Stewart get mad when whenever he listen that guy takes contact because he's not afraid to drive to the rim but he gets back and what does he do he plays defense he plays hard every single play and I'm just I'm tired of seeing all the crying because after the first two and, and you know people love to point towards uh point to the numbers and they think that tells the whole story Houston had 23 free throw attempts uh Oklahoma City had 34 but they're not understanding the style of play Mm -hmm. when you shoot 53s a game three games in a row you're not going to get foul calls it's as simple as that you can't decide to go to the rim once every 10 plays and then get a foul call because there was a tiniest bit of contact unless you're James Harden and then you get 16 free throws in the game but for the Thunder so much of what they try to do is inside mid-range and they were absolutely listen Steve Steven Adams, Nerlens Noel, those guys get hacked every single time the ball goes down low. And Rockets fans can't be mad about that. That's strategy. But James Harden, three, he, got, he picked up three fouls in like a three-minute span. I think it was in the second quarter. And it was because, listen, he did everything he could for the first two games to play good defense. But he's already worn out, and he's tired of it, and he's gotten lazy, and now he's getting called for fouls. And I love to see it because he talked all this talk about playing defense, and he can't do it anymore. It's just not in him. It's not who he is. Yeah, going back to the whole whining thing, and that I think that's a, a Texas thing in general <laughs> because I'm seeing a lot of that with, in, with for the Mavericks in this series against my Clippers. Yeah. And, and I wish the officials would be slow to call technical fouls there as well because they're giving out technical fouls like it's candy uh, in that Clippers-Mavericks series. Um, look, guys, I'm going to skip down on our, on our talking points because I think – the, the one I'm going to go to next, by the way, I'm going to ask you about the important stat if y'all have it yet. Uh, but I want to go down I to, Billy, have an idea. I, I want to go down to Billy Donovan real fast. Um, you know, I, I think, I think we have been rightfully critical of Billy Donovan in the first two games, but I, I don't know that that outweighs what he's done this season with this team. Uh, right now, Craig, are you buying or selling Billy Donovan? Oh, I'm still buying, man. I, I, I haven't agreed with the way that he's coached the series so far. Um, I thought there was some good adjustments tonight. But you're right. You can't take away what, what he's done this season. Um, it, it goes beyond his, you know, X's and O's. It's all about making this team work. I mean, you, you had to take, um, I mean, really a group of misfits outside of a few that were still on the roster from last season and make it all go together. And, and he did that, and everybody had a good attitude about it, too. So I think that's something that goes untalked about a lot when it comes to Billy Donovan as well. Zach? It was about the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and he takes Lou Gwynn's door out. And I almost tweeted, Billy Donovan has two minutes to fix this, or I am full steam ahead on the fire Billy Donovan train. I was at my wit's end. 
All I saw was him throwing away the game, throwing away the series, throwing away the season, everything we've worked so hard for. And I say we because, of course, we've all been a part of this. Uh, and I was, I was there. But I, you know, I, I, I held my tongue, so to speak. I held my fingers back from my keyboard. I didn't say it because, thankfully, he kind of got wise and he started going defense for offense a little bit. But still, he was so determined to keep a big man in there. And I, I've heard so many people argue this. And I've been an advocate. Steven Adams can be a monster in the series. They, are just, they just have to use him right. I'm done with it. They're not going to use him right. Get him off the floor. It's time to play small ball. And then finally he did. And so he, it was a little bit of redemption. Okay, so I, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm buying or selling. I'm holding right now, okay? okay. If I've got fair. stock, I'm holding it because I'm waiting to see, it, it, do, do I need to get rid of it because the value is going to tank or, or, or do I need to hold on to it because his value is going to rise? I'm not sure right now, but I'll tell you right now, we're going to find out very quickly sometime around 1.30 p.m. Monday afternoon when they announce starters. If Steven Adams or Nerlens Noel is anywhere near that starting five, we might have a problem because I'm telling you right now, we cannot play big in this series and with because because they're not going to do it the right way. We can't do that and win. I think mm -hmm. they need to have uh, first off. I don't think Nerlens Noel deserves to be on the court at all. He has done. I've not seen him do a single positive thing. He can't hit free throws. He's not strong enough to fight for rebounds. He he might have had a block shot. Did he have a block tonight? Let me see. Pull it up real quick. He had no blocks, no block shots. He, he just – he can't do it. it it's, it's sad, but that's where he's at. Steven Adams, he's done some good things. I mean, he did pull down 13 rebounds. Uh, but, but it just doesn't fit into the – and that's okay. If Adams is hurt, which I think there might be a little bit of that, uh, they mentioned a knee contusion at the end of the game, let the guy rest. Don't play him very much this series because he. There, there will come a time in the next in the next round if we make it there where he will be needed, for sure. Right now is not that time. I want to go small ball, and I think Billy Donovan. I, I don't know if if hit, if an extension is dependent upon it, but as far as how fans feel about him, it absolutely <laughs> depends on it. Yeah, and I think that's I, may maybe a little bit controversial. I'll, I'll let you jump back in here, Craig, because I. I Look, and this is where I feel like I have value towards our podcast because I'm a guy outside of that Thunder bubble. And I'm telling you that regardless of what happens in this series, Billy Donovan's value is not going to do anything but go up. And because you look at where they are, where they were supposed to be, and then I look at, you know, two things that are on our talking points, only going three deep on the bench, changing to do a small ball lineup. Those are things that he's made necessary adjustments he, he's, he's, he, sees, he sees what he has. He sees what the Rockets are doing. And they may not win the series. I, I, think, there's, I think hope is alive once again. But right. regardless of what happens in games four and game five, hopefully game six and seven, Billy Donovan's value, if the Thunder don't want him, somebody does. Craig, jump back in there. Yeah, I was going back to Steven Adams. I mean, he was available to, to go after the little knee problem. Um, it mm -hmm. was Billy Donovan's decision to play the small ball. And I think typically when we talk about Steven Adams, we like to mention how he can open up the court for other players. But I was watching the way Houston plays defense, and I actually think having Adams off the court does open up the paint more because they're not sagging off to help in right. on Adams. There was mm -hmm. a lot more room for, for various guards to drive. We even, I think, snagged three offensive rebounds in overtime without Adams on the floor. And I don't think that was somewhere where we had an advantage beforehand. It seemed like Houston was the only team grabbing offensive rebounds. So um, I'm with you. I think you got to go with the small ball lineup to start game four.
And let me just add, I, I'm not at all advocating that if we win, give them the extension. If we lose, right. don't give it to him. I don't, I don't want to say that because I agree with you that everything that he's done this season is, is incredibly impressive. At the same time, just because he's a good coach doesn't mean he's the right coach for here. And, yeah. and I'm not saying one, or, one way or another. I do think he's the right coach from here. I do hope that he makes adjustments that we go on and we do well in the series. But he, he's got to be flexible. And I didn't see that flexibility until he was almost forced to be flexible. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was a wake-up call for him. Maybe, maybe the fact that he could put Adams back in and he didn't because he liked what he saw on the floor, maybe that's what it took. And if that's what it's going to take, then fine, so be it. Sometimes we have the best thing possible right in front of our faces and we don't realize it until, you know, we're forced to realize it. And that's fine. As long as he realizes it, and, and again, I'm not, you know, an NBA-level coach, but I definitely think small ball is the way to go so, for game four on Monday. Now, do you, let me just stick with this topic for just another quick second. Do you think it's already been determined about his future and they're just waiting for the season to end? Or do you think there's, this playoffs actually is, is a role in his extension or lack of an extension? I think Presti's got he's, – he's just trying to figure out how much he's going to pay him. Honestly, I agree. I, I think he's I don't think if they they could lose the next two in a row. I'm not sure it's going to I think he's back next season. I really do. If he wants to be. Correct. Yeah. Right. Is, let me ask you, is there any reason that you think he wouldn't want to be? I think Brooklyn may be a reason he doesn't want to be. I know there's a whole Kevin Durant in because of his background. Yeah, or? just kind of I think it does, hasn't his daughter or somebody moved back up in that area. And um, that's, that's where he's from. And so I, I think that may be something that pulls his attention that way. I also still feel like on the collegiate level, if he wants to go back, it could be very successful. Right. And some big-time programs like Arizona and Kansas could be opening up based off of what happens with this NCAA, FBI investigation thing. So well, I don't think uh, – I just one last word. I don't think he's going to end up in Brooklyn because Durant's running that team now. And I don't think he's going to – okay that i'd be shocked if he did after the way he left so that would be man billy probably wouldn't hear the end of it if he did that so i'm just just a thought just a thought i I had but okay because i I think a team like chicago that's i I hate to use these words but that's a job i think would be beneath him at this point you know i think he's proven himself if he was coming fresh out of florida once once again chicago would be an option but i think he's proven he's better than that he's not a guy that you that needs to get a rebuild job. He can get a stable job in the NBA if he wants it. Mm-hmm. I personally, if I had to bet, he's back in Oklahoma City on the bench next next season. But I'm just saying there may be a reason outside of Sam Presti that this hasn't gotten done. Um, okay, it's, it's time, Craig. Uh, Zach says he has an idea, so I'm going to let you go first. The most important stat from tonight's game was what? You letting me go first? Yes, because I, I know I'm Zach has a guess. With, okay, my guess is second chance points. Thunder outscored Houston 10 to 5. That's that's a good stat, but not what I'm thinking. Zach, what do you got? Well, I've got – do I get two guesses? Can I have two guesses? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give you the first – give me your, your, your first one, and then my, we'll see. My first one is uh, points in the paint. Oh, that's another good one, but that's not what I got. But go ahead and, and give me your thought. Why did you pick my points second in the one, paint? Well, I picked points in the paint because the Houston, being the smaller team, they've continuously been either – either better or close mm-hmm. in points of the, like the thunder has not dominated at all. Like I thought they would. And the fact that Houston does two things, they shoot threes or they drive for, for layups. They don't shoot the mid range in the past uh, in, in three games. Let me pull up tonight's just to check. 
in three games, okay, tonight they shot one mid-range shot. In, in all three games they've shot, I think that brings the grand total to 10 of, of their almost 300 field goal attempts have been from the mid-range. They either shoot threes, which we know they shoot a bunch of them, or they drive in the paint and they look for layups. So if the Thunder continually gets outscored in the paint, that means they're probably not doing a very good job defensively. And if you look at Eric Gordon, when he was, I think it was 0 for 10 in game two, but he still went off, it's because he kept blowing by guys and getting mm -hmm. to the rim. And right. he did a pretty good job at getting to the rim tonight. He missed a few and he spent some time crying. I already talked about that. But it's, it's missing those points or – the, those shots around the rim and you, you look at the thunder three games in a row they have been below the nba average at uh shots in the restricted area they were 12 for 22 tonight uh 18 for 36 overall in the paint it's just it's pathetic it's not good enough well it's a great point that's why i asked you to to expound upon it but it's not what i'm thinking which makes me think you guys are going to really disagree with me here uh but you got you you want to go ahead and throw your second guess out there I was going to say the, the turnover difference. Yes, that, yes, okay. that's it. Here, here's the thing. 16 turnovers for the Houston Rockets tonight. Do you guys know for the, the combined game one and game two what their turnovers were? I think it was like 12. Close. Combined between game one and game two, they had 14 turnovers. 14, okay. So Oklahoma City literally doubled the turnovers by giving them 16. Uh, and and we're getting our 10-minute warning there from, from Zoom, so we're going to have to move on from this. But I just think that's such an underrated point uh, right. when, when you talk about the emphasis that Oklahoma City made just to get better and, and to, to push more on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I, I think that was a, a difference maker. And that, that, to me, that just comes down to, to some quick motivation. Um, all right, I want to talk about uh, other, other game threes across the league. But before we do that, um, Craig, give me an adjustment or two that you want to see uh, for game four on Monday. Um, well, outside of what we've already talked about, of course, with Steven Adams maybe having a smaller role in this series moving forward, um, I'd like to continue to focus on defense. Um, offense eventually came around tonight, but it, it was only because the defense allowed this team to have a chance. Um, I, Zach just mentioned it. Eric Gordon goes to the rim way too often. I think he had. He made two, eight total shots tonight. Two of them were three. So I bet the other six shots were all layup straight to the basket. And it's almost like they're uncontested. Um, that can't continue to happen. I think um, as well as Jeff Green, let's put a hand up in his face. I mean, that guy's on fire in the bubble. He's been on fire in this series. Um, we're doing a, a good job controlling James Harden. But um, let's focus on some of the other guys as well. Zach, what do you got? Adjustments for game two. My big game, sorry, game four. Game two's My already done. <laughs> My, man, I wish we could make adjustments for game two. It's too late for that. Uh, my, my big one, I'm going to keep harping on this, is just going small ball. I think that's such a big deal uh, because when we go small, we're able to play better defense. Obviously, the turnovers were a major impact because Oklahoma City ended up leading in uh, fast break points, 11 to 7. To me, listen, Houston is a – they like to run and they like to try to try to score in transition, and they killed us in transition the last couple games. Uh, they, they scored definitely into double digits, and it was, it was Oklahoma City that led the way with that. Listen, the Thunder's not a transition team. I think they, they ranked – it might have been dead last in fast break points during the regular season uh, across the league, and tonight they did a much better job at that. It seemed like the offense picked up the pace, which we talked about this a little bit. Should they slow it down and set up the offense? I thought – 
when given the opportunity, they got out and they ran and transitioned. But at the same time, they would slow it down and then set up. And they, they went deep into the shot clock a lot, which was super beneficial in, in slowing the pace down and really controlling the game. So uh, continue some of that. We need a good start. I think that might be the most important thing for game fours. We need a good start. Have not had a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm tired of playing from behind. I'm tired for, of, of, you know, being, being nervous. Is this going to be a blowout or not? Because Houston, they kind of build those double-digit leads early, and you never know what's going to happen. Oklahoma City's answered just about every single time. But I want to see a good start, and that's going to come down to crisp offense. Right. Okay, so here we go. Other game threes around the league. You got two teams in the East looking for game four sweeps. Toronto uh, in Brooklyn and then Boston over Philly. Craig, who has the best shot at getting a sweep between those two, between Toronto and Brooklyn? Uh, between Toronto and Boston, who has the best shot at getting a sweep here? Um, I think it's definitely possible for both um, to have really good chances, but you got to go with Toronto. They may be the, as far as just being a complete team, um, they can have many different guys being the leading scorer on any given night. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a, an easy game for, for Toronto. Zach, you agree Toronto's the best, I, uh, best option for a sweep? I do, and I think it comes down to defensive effort. Even when guys aren't scoring in, in Toronto, they, they've got the defense across. The, I mean, they've got eight, nine guys that can step on the court and play solid defense at any given moment. And as a coach, you can't really ask for more. Nick Nurse, congrats to him. Uh, winning coach of the year, Billy Donovan ended up finishing third. Uh, it's much deserved to lose mm-hmm. the finals MVP and come in and, and have a better record than you did a year ago and put yourselves in another spot, another good spot to make a run at, at, a, at, a, at the NBA finals. I, and I mean, Milwaukee should be concerned. I know Milwaukee's the heavy favorite in the East, but I like Toronto's odds not just to get the sweep here, but I think they're going to, I think they're going to make some noise. So I, I'm with you guys. I think Toronto, if you had to pick one of them, Toronto is, is the team to go for on that sweep. I, Philly um, against Boston, Phil, Philadelphia's got talent on that team, but Joel Embiid is a guy that you just – you can't count on him. And if you watch the way game three closed out with literally back-to-back turnovers, um, you know, Embiid gave everything he had, but that's, the, that's all you're going to get out of him. I don't, I don't expect him to give the same type of performance in game four because he knows it's over. Um, and he's just not a guy. He never has been a guy that you can re- rely on, but there's still that chance. Has there been a bigger momentum swing? I mean, in recent memory, not just this playoff, but in recent memory, has there been a bigger momentum swing in a, in a series than Denver and Utah? I mean, the Jazz, Jazz lose game one, and then back-to-back blowouts, games two and three, you wonder, okay, what's up with Denver now? Can can they get back in this series? Staying with you, Zach, is that series uh, – is it out of control or does Denver still have a chance here? I think Denver definitely has a chance because I, I still believe that they've got the uh, – <laughs> I think they've got the better team. Uh, we've mentioned health concerns for both teams and how Denver's really in a tough spot. Uh, I, I just think – I don't really know what to think. As far as the the blowout, I know I was upset yesterday because I had a handful of guys in fantasy that did Same. not play in the fourth quarter and like the, the last few minutes of the third quarter because it was a blowout. And I was having a monster day. So, you know, it happens. But uh, I, I still think Denver's got um, – I think they've got the best player in the series. Unfortunately, when that best player is a center, it's hard to win in the same way. Donovan Mitchell's a monster for Utah. And – 
Jamal Murray's solid for Denver, but he's just not on the same level. And and when your best player is Jokic, he's a he's still a center. It doesn't matter how good of a passer he is, he's still a center. He's not going to be able to do the same things that Donovan Mitchell can do. He's just not as exciting as Donovan Mitchell is. And I mean, Thunder fans know what it's like to have Donovan Mitchell just knock down shots in your face and end up running away with the series. Now, it's it's a lot harder, I think, for us because he was a rookie and it was embarrassing, but uh, that's in the past. So I think Denver can come back, but if obviously if they go down this next one and go down 3-1, it's, you might as well just call it over. They'll, Utah will get the uh, – they'll, they'll probably get that backdoor sweep. It's not just a um, – he's not just a center, though, Zach. He's a point center. So, let's, let, let's get that right. Listen, uh, he can pass the ball he wants. Respect but... on his name. <laughs> Speaking of backdoor sweeps, Milwaukee, Orlando, uh, Craig, is, um, the Bucks seem to have taken full control of this series as well. Yeah, um, kind of knew it was only a matter of time in that one. Um, I, I kind of expected that to happen. I thought – it was a, a solid little game one for Orlando, kind of caught Milwaukee uh, sleeping a little bit, but um, I predicted the, the backdoor sweep. I, I think that's going to hold true. All right, one last uh, uh, series in the East is uh, going to be another sweep, Miami over Indiana. Uh, the, the, the entertainment and the drama has definitely been in the West. We got two minutes left, starting with you, Craig. Clippers, Mavericks, Clips with a two-to-one lead now. Luke, I, I want you to hear this, Craig, because – you and I had a, a conversation off the air, but he, here's what I need you to know, all right? This is – I looked this up just for you. MRI on Luka Doncic's uh, sprained left ankle revealed nothing alarming. Nothing alarming. So – I uh, thought it was a mild – I thought he had a sprain of some sort. Is that – I mean, it's a sprain, but no, this guy – this guy the had guy, – The guy came out and tried to play, and he couldn't. That's, that's exactly the point I'm making. He's done he, – there's not a player that, that I've seen has done more trash talk and more crying in all the NBA playoffs than Luka. And then the, the second the Clippers bow back up to him, oh, my ankle, I've got to literally hop no. up the ramp. He hopped up the he, ramp to the locker room and came back down, saw he wasn't making a difference. His team did better with him on, on, when, once he left. The, the Mavericks, he mentally checked out of that game. Zach, final thought, we got a minute left. I think uh, – listen, I sprained my ankle before it hurts. So, I don't know. Kristaps uh, <laughs> Porzingis, though, you got to give him props for doing what he did when Luka yes. went out. And uh, I think the Mavs need Luka to win. If, if he doesn't play and he doesn't play well, uh, it's over. All right, Craig, I'm sorry. You got, you got 15 seconds. Go. He's literally making playoff NBA history right now with the scoring I, he's doing. So, I don't know how you can – I don't think he's just going to fake an injury – and get out of that thing. I, I think he's, I think he's hurt. I look, look, I'm not saying he faked the injury. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is he, he bowed up to the Clippers. And when the Clippers bowed up, when they bowed back to him and they started, the Clippers started doing the trash talk and the Clippers got physical. He mentally checked out of that game. He was mentally checked out of that game in the second quarter. And so when that, when the injury came, he didn't want any more of that. He'll be back for game four. And if you remember what I said, he's the guy he's the, that said the Clippers are going to win that series, but he will have a monster series. He's well on his way to that, but you can tell it's his first experience in the NBA playoffs. Zach, give us your Twitter feed because you're always fun during the games. We got to get out of here. Follow us at the Thunder guys and be nice, please. There are too many meanies on there.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.